Paul Sandalo, heavy hitting boxing, one of the best gyms out in the Northeast. What's going on, Paul? That's it. How you doing? Thank you very, very much. Very nice talking to you. Good, good, man. Good. Let's uh, since you are a man of the sweet science, you know what's up. Let's talk about Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder too. Listen, the most amazing part about that was, if anybody remembers, Tyson Fury said, "I realized something in the twelfth round." Okay, he realized that Wilder could not back up. Now, something like that is extremely rare because of one reason. Did you see what happened before he noticed Wilder couldn't back up? He got knocked down. Yeah. Uh, big rarity in boxing that this man was able to get up, overcome the knockdown, overcome the round, and not only that, realize what the key to victory was going to be. And look, it showed. He played it down. He told the world, I'm going to knock out Deontay, and the world said, you're crazy. And uh, clearly he wasn't, but clearly he wasn't. Do you think there was a psychological advantage going into this fight, the second fight, because he got up from that knockdown? Because it looked like he was dead, you know, and then, you know, Deontay thought he won the fight, and then he got up like the Undertaker and came back and won the fight, right? Or, you know, you know he won the fight. Come on, the first one? What do you think? Come on, he won the first fight, and he knew that, and Deontay knew that, okay? Um, And the crazy part is Fury wasn't in the shape he should have been fighting that fight. Um, and I think, like you said, psychologically, Wilder knew that Fury was going to come back with something a little different. But in all reality, Fury did what he's been doing this whole time. You know, he came back from depression. He came back from the weight gain. He came back. People don't realize that uh, he fought Klitschko and put in an amazing fight. And the world didn't care about him after that Klitschko fight. Um, and that's hard as fighters. You know, we do this for a reason, not only for ourselves, but for a prideful. And he won the fight. He won the biggest goal in the world that nobody cared about. So it's amazing, absolutely amazing. What do you think about the excuses that uh, Wilder's coming with after the fight? You know, is it kind of, is it a shame? Do you think it's kind of shameful? Listen, here's the thing. Could a 45 pounds do that in 15, 20 minutes before the ring? Yes, slightly. Is he a professional athlete? Yes. Um, There's a list of things, guys, you know, in all my years of watching fighters that they can make excuses about. But the thing is, when the bell rings and you're in the cage or you're in the ring, it doesn't matter. Um, Plain and simple. Uh, We can make excuses about everything. There's plenty of problems that arrive fight week, never mind the day of the fight. It's about who shuts up, goes in, win or lose, and keep moving to the next day. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Did you see the video that came up, like him on on a podcast where he was talking about how he trains with a 45-pound vest on, so he gets simulated? Yeah, which is crazy, I mean. We have them in the other room. We put them guys on the stairs. I have my guys do the hills. Um, the hardest part for me was Breland. You know, Breland's a New York guy. We're New York guys, and I hated to see a lot of the controversial about, you know, should he have thrown in the towel or not. Listen, we, our, us as coaches are here for one reason, and that's to protect our fighter. Obviously, we're here to mentor, to train them, to bring them into battle, but it's also to protect the fighter when he cannot protect himself. Um, and that's pretty much it. I respect Breland. Uh, which I'm very happy to know that he's keeping Breland on the team right now, which was great because at first they thought he was going to fire himself. Yeah, I, I was like very confused about that. You know, like why would you fire your trainer that's trying to protect you? You know, it would have meant a lot of bad things about Wilder. I believe yeah. if he did fire his trainer for that reason. Yeah. Well, I think he's smart and he realized, you know, what Breland did. You know, I think any educated person that's in boxing when it really comes down to the nitty gritty, understands that. And if you don't, you shouldn't be with the person anyway. You know, me as a coach, if one of my fighters doesn't respect 
a decision like that that may have saved Wilder's career and life, then you shouldn't want to be with that fighter, vice versa, coach either. Um, have you seen the other video that has come out of uh, Fury? Like they're breaking down the fight, the second fight, and it looks like he's his fists are at the the wrist part of the glove. Yes, yes. You know, what do you think about that? There's always glove issues, man. There's always, always glove issues. It's out of control. It stems from, man, there was a guy out of the Bronx. Uh, my brain is getting a little out of it, but he fought a very top Irish fighter years ago, um, and they took the padding out of the glove. Um, so there's been plenty of issues with the gloves. We all know Margarito. Listen, it happened. It happened. Fury fought amazing. Let's all just soak it up and move on with the fight game. Exactly. You know, the commission's there to protect the fighters, especially the gloves. You know, like, you're not going to adjust the gloves after the, the commission checks Anybody it out. that's in, been in the pro game knows what yeah. happens before you go into a fight. We realize how much they suspect. They check out everything. They check out the gloves. They te- check out our shoelaces. Okay, they check out everything. Um, so pretty much anybody inside the back room is really not the truth. What do you want to see? Do you want to see the trilogy, the third fight, or do you want to see Fury go fight uh, Joshua? Uh, to be honest, I don't think I want to see the trilogy because Wilder's amazing, but if they have the fight within six months to a year, there's not that big of a jump that he can make to compare to Fury's technical boxing skills. He'll always have that one knockout punch, of course. You know, nobody can ever take that away from him, but, you know, the skills have to be there. There's levels to this. There's a reason why people say in MMA and boxing there's levels. There is there's levels to it, you know. And Deontay has always had that diamond or the knockout punch. He's been able to get over on anybody. Fury just outshined them that day. Yeah, it's like Fury has a toolbox and Wilder has a hammer. A hammer. Yeah. Maybe a sledgehammer. <laughs> yeah, a sledgehammer, right? Maybe, uh, maybe a sledgehammer, yep. How how do you see the the Fury Joshua fight going down? Do you feel like Fury's just too good? Like he is the the best boxer in the world right now, like heavyweight boxer at least. I think. Listen, Joshua fought Ruiz by moving and you know boxing and being technical, and he still wasn't even close to what Fury is in his technical ability. So there's pretty much no way he can do that to Fury. Um, you know, so I see that match pretty much not going anywhere. All right, all right. So, but I want to see it though, right? You want to see it, right? Listen, I want to see it, of course, for the hype. Um, listen, let's face it, Joshua, he is to that stage. He's an amazing boxer. He's an Olympic style boxer. So, in six months to a year, can he develop other tricks in that toolbox you were talking about? He definitely can. That's the difference between Joshua and Wilder. Now, with with this resurgence, or I guess the rebirth of the heavyweight division. And a lot of attention towards boxing again with Wilder, Ruiz, uh, you know, Fury, everybody, right? Now, does it does it have any kind of impact on boxing gyms? Do you feel like? Do you feel like there's more people like wanting to not not fight, but like just come and train a little bit and and um, have, have a yeah, sweat? Definitely. I mean, listen, boxing within the past 15, 20 years has kind of commercialized. Um, everybody wants to do it to your soccer moms, to your pro fighters, of course. Um, the difference is I do notice obviously more population comes into the gym. Um, it def- definitely helps our sport. The hard part about our sport is the era that we're in, you know, with kids. The dedication factor is not the same. Um, you know, the social networking, the media, the technology has really changed the sport. 
Um, you know, boxing is a sport of you lose, you come back the next day, and you train. That's it. Um, and sadly, a lot of kids we see come into these gyms and the second they lose or they don't do well or the media outlets don't show what they want to see, they go goodbye. And, you know, that's not really boxing. It's not MMA. Boxing MMA is about fighting from the ground up, win, lose, struggle, pain, injury, no matter what it is, we lift ourselves up. That's what we're about, you know? Before we shift to MMA, I wanted to ask you last question about boxing. Who's the best boxer of this current generation, in your opinion? Whew, hard one. Um, you know, technically, I still couldn't say Mayweather. I really just really couldn't. You know, in this generation, you mean within the past, you know, 10, 20 years, you're thinking. Or you let's, let's say we know who the best boxers are in the past 10, 20 years. Let's yes. say this generation let's, of like the last five years to the next 10 years. I love Crawford. He looks okay. amazing. Um, in a boxing style, I thought Mikey Garcia had a lot to show us before his last yeah. loss. Um, I just think he was overpowered and he was just a little too small. Um, but as we saw with his fight this past Saturday with Vargas, you know, he is so technically skilled. Uh, amazing. I like a couple of the up-and-coming boxers, of course. Um, we've got an amazing guy out of my city, Stanford. That's a 16-0 Cordell Booker, who's one of my technical favorites, and I've been watching him since his first first amateur fight. You know, uh, Marcus Brown was the top guy coming up for her. I loved his technical skill. But I got to say, Garcia and, you know, probably one of my top guys out. All right, let's get into uh, your gym, man, your heavy-hitting boxing. I know you got a team of boxers, and on top of that, you got guys coming in, MMA fighters coming in. Uh, talk about some of the guys that you have right now that are coming up. You know, give them some shine before, or yeah, you know, yeah. you know how it is. You know how it is. Yeah. Like you gotta give them some shine before they become famous, and then you'll be like, "Hey, I told you this guy was gonna become something." Well, it's funny because last week I loved that Marcus in his interview. He turned the camera. He showed a couple of our heavyweights. We have uh, we have two big Polish heavyweights uh, out of our gym that are big up and coming fighters. Uh, we have a Ukrainian heavyweight that won 15 and 0, won the Golden Gloves in New York, Connecticut, the whole East Coast. Um, you know, named Igor Laba. He was a big sparring partner for Luis Ortiz and Luis Garcia from the Cuban, the Cuban refugee camps. Um, you know, we have another big uh, Jamaican fighter, Christian Brown. Here is a very good fighter. No, we have a lot of young kids, 14-year-olds, 13-year-olds. We have a Korean fighter, actually, too. He's actually here right now. <laughs> He's actually here working out. Uh, Min, come here. Come get in and say hello. Because I know Mike wanted me to introduce you. You've got a Korean fighter over here. This is my Min right here, Korean fighter over here. How you doing? So we're big, on, we're big on just having every culture. You know, I don't care where mm -hmm. you come from or what you are or what background you are. Come on in and let's get to work. Um, now, yeah, you have a big, you have a melting pot. You just mentioned Jamaican, Cuban, Ukrainian, you know, like Puerto Korean. Jamaicans, uh, Haitian fighters. We got um, Ecuadorian fighters, Brazilian fighters. We're everything. I don't care who you are. Come on in. Let's get to work. Now, with yourself, you know, did you, you know, you're, you're a trainer. Like, how long have you been training fighters for? Well, let's see. I started boxing when I was around eight, nine years old. Come from a troubled background, you know, brother, sister, father, nobody graduated high school. Father was in prison when I was born and boxing was my way out. I started when I was eight. Um, around 19 years old as an amateur, I broke my back in two spots, my L5. And doctors looked at me and said, your career is over. Goodbye. And here I was a 19 year old kid. And I looked at them and said, what do I do now? You know, um, what happened about, I took about five, six years off from boxing just because when that happens to you and your whole life is fighting, 
you don't want to see it anymore. Um, then I met my wife, I've been my wife 17 years, and we went to a boxing show, which I never would go to. It just hurt me too much to go watch. You know, I came up with like the Delvin Rodriguez is, um, you know, guys like um, Augie Sanchez, who's the last guy to ever beat uh, Floyd Mayweather, actually. Uh, Pat Barry was his father-in-law. He was the one that got knocked out on the stretcher by Prince Asim Ahmed. Remember Prince Asim? Yeah, yeah, of course. We're all trained partners together. And, you know, my career didn't pan out. I was supposed to be this big pro, and I, I wasn't. One day we went to a fight. My wife looked at me, and we watched the coach go in the ring. And she looks at me, and she says, you know, you're not done. And I sat there, and I said, wait a second. Maybe I'm not. Uh, and that was about 12, 13 years ago. And now 180 fights left later. I'm talking to you, brother. <laughs> That's a... You know, a negative into a positive, And now my whole life is functioning. When they get in the ring or in the cage, I get in the ring in the cage with them. You know, that's how I live it. Yeah, that's uh, that's crazy. You know, like we could go ten hours about like from yeah, the beginning to just, the start, right? But that's a we'll get you on again. We'll talk more in depth about the yeah the struggles of that. But twelve, thirteen years, you know, what seventeen years or twelve, thirteen years? Twelve, thirteen years, right? Twelve, thirteen years for the coaching, full time. Okay, for the coaching. Uh, I came back and fought like a, a quick little fight in '07 just to tell the doctors I can do it, um, and then I said I'm done. Yeah, you know, let you leave it to the young kids. Um, I actually have post concussion syndrome uh, from getting hit in the head, so I'm I let the other guys get hit. Having that experience, you know, when you're younger and then going through kind of like the struggles, there's nothing that can come in the future that you can't handle, right? It's like you can give advice to kids coming up, you know, your fighters that they can actually yeah. take to heart because you've been through the the, the grind of you know. Yeah. Getting, you know, t having almost everything taken away from you and then you getting it back at the same time, right? Yeah, I mean, you got to fight. You got to fight for it. You know, your whole world as a kid, the sad part is a lot of kids, they strive for it. They want to box. They want to be an MMA and they think that that's going to save their life. That's going to, you know, make them millions. And I tell people, it may not make you millions, okay? But what boxing and MMA did for me is it gave me structure and it gave me a plan. No matter what, if I'm 10 years old or I'm 80 years old, I still have boxing and MMA. It does not matter. I can go in my basement at 60 years old when life is going bad or good, and I can hit a bag, and I still have that. And that's one thing that's important. With the MMA guys, right? You got Marcus. Yep. He was in there, and he's got a fight coming up. And I've, I know, I've seen that you've worked with other MMA guys. What's the difference, man? Because, you know, you have the straight, straight boxers, but then now you got to make the adjustments for the MMA guys. It must be something, you know, that is – very difficult you know some coaches might say oh it's not that hard but to be honest you know you got to study a lot and and and, and get into it deep right yes well it's very difficult because a lot of the mma guys they have different styles they came from either wrestling backgrounds muay thai backgrounds you know karate jiu-jitsu you know pure boxing now what i try to do is i try to blend them together in certain ways and keep them separate at certain times so my MMA guys, they need that pure boxing. So I try to give them that dose. But believe it or not, my boxers benefit from my MMA guys and the grappling and in the clinches um, and the strength wars inside the ring. Okay. Um, we try to base everybody as an individual. That's the only way to do it. That's the problem I think with a lot of gyms is they look at everybody as a whole, and that's not the truth. Every fighter is different mentally and physically. Uh, that's the hardest part about the fight game, right? Is everybody's a different individual. And let's face it, to get locked in a cage or in a ring, you know, you have to be a different animal. Um, so you have to take one individual at a time. When you go through a training camp, 
with an, an MMA fighter? Um, mm-hmm. Like, what are the drills? Do you have to change up the drills, you know, compared to a regular boxer? Like, what uh, kind of drills yes. would you drill somebody? So normally what we do is, you know, we usually do six to eight weekends. And normally what we do is the first four weeks, um, we stay strict boxing. So they're getting only mainly pure boxing, okay? I don't want them to get lost in the MMA scuffle. I mean, don't get me wrong. All my guys are Henzo guys. So um, they're all down in uh, Henzo's doing their work, um, you know. So I don't have to worry about the aspect, which is nice as a coach. I only have to worry about your stand-up, which is amazing. Um, another thing about that is, you know, with the camps, like you said, we veer off. Then we get into the MMA around week five, week six. Then we start adding the kicks, the knees, the elbows. And around week six, we go full blast with about two weeks left, where we're doing everything ground, top to bottom. We're doing the stand-up. And then we kind of have the pure boxers kind of fade away from the camp. Nothing against them, but they kind of fade away into the into the air. We go up to five-minute rounds, and then it's party. Um, having, you know, the, the, the fighters from Henzo, you know, mm-hmm. that, that gym is world famous. You know, you got a slew of Amazing. guys, right? Amazing. You know, it's just... It's just great knowing that. I mean, I'm I'm looking out my gym window and I see Metro North and, you know, that train goes into Manhattan in 30 minutes. It's just so amazing that the opportunity of the guy should just get on, get off, go quick and know they're getting the best training around and know I'm comfortable. I don't have to worry about it. There's not even a thought in my head of if they're getting treated correctly because we know they are, which is a, a big deal. As well. So do you like that position right now of just having guys come in? And then you could just focus strictly on the boxing and you're not trying to be somebody that's, you know, you see some of these guys that are trainers and they're boxing trainers, but they, they, all of a sudden they become an MMA coach out of nowhere. Right. When you see that, sometimes it's kind of very odd, right? How somebody can transition so quickly. Yes. I mean, you know, the best part to do it is, you know, we have our kick coaches, you know, me, I have my guys that come in and hold kicks. Obviously I'm familiar with kicks, elbows, knees. I know all that stuff doing it for years but i'd rather have somebody come in so i could specify my training for one way and have them do their way and then also what that does is relieves a lot of stress off me the coach yeah. you know um mental stress is something people do not understand about the fight game so yeah exa- it's exhausting right like the mental side is more exhausting than the physical side probably i'm gonna have a big headache tomorrow because you know tonight i got about 10 guys coming in from all over the tri-state getting ready to you know this is marcus's last heavy week of sparring so uh, the mental of me watching and focus 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 never mind the nerves i mean listen the fight's next friday you know so everything's got to be on our p's and q's you got to peak at the right time it's all a process brother I look at it as where a coach can, you know, when a gym is full and everything's going on, there's sounds going on everywhere. And then the coach, it mesmerizes me sometimes. A coach just zoning in on one fighter as they spar and then being able to kind of shut everything else out and, yep. ne- you know, zero in on that and then be able to tell them what they need to do and what changes they think. That's just amazing. Like not a, a regular person can't do that. Yeah. Why well, tell people this is people are shocked when they say this is, when you're in the ring or you're in the cage, you it doesn't matter if there's 10,000 people, you hear my voice. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we do certain little tricks where we scream. I scream on the bottom of the cage or the bottom of the ring so I vibrate off the bottom. Okay, mm-hmm. People don't realize that it helps you listen, but they only hear your coach. Same thing, vice versa, is I'm trained to have him. I'm him. I'm like his remote, but then he only hears the coach. Like you said, it's, it's very amazing the way fighters do it. You know, I know you also have the the other side of your gym where you have regular people coming in and that do you 
it must be fun. That's like the kind of fun too, right? To have like kids and and like moms come in, you know, like just just yeah. just training and and kind of reaching their goals too. You know, I tell people like this. I say, when it comes to boxing and MMA, you're not getting in trouble for hitting the bag. It doesn't matter if you're releasing stress, aggression, you're an ex drinker, ex smoker, ex drug. You don't want to hit your boss, your kids. You don't want to abuse somebody. You're coming in. You may be miserable walking in here, but when you leave, you leave smiling, or you're leaving a little more relaxed, and you're leaving with a positive. You know, it's a positive release. And you know, a lot of kids. We do our kids from programs daily, which are chaos, of course, because they're kids. You know, but they mean nothing but fun. Um, you know, like you said, it's just amazing to watch the different diversity. We have five-year-olds come in. So I have an 82-year-old man that comes in and hits the speed bag, and I think he hits it better than most people in the gym. I don't know how, but you'll be surprised. Are you going to be heading to uh, Connecticut with Marcus? Yes. So we got we got uh, Mohegan Sun uh, this upcoming Friday, the 13th. So we'll and be where leaving, will you uh, be next couple months? Like, where are you going? Who are, who's fighting? Uh, I'm not sure. You know, we work with uh, a couple other big MMA guys, like Vinicius de Jesus is another one of our big guys in our stable over here. Um, he was an ex-Bellator fighter, four or five fight Bellator vet, and then he went over to CES, won the title over there. Um, so, you know, he's still weighing his options on figuring out what he's going to do. Um, we've got a couple other Bellator guys coming in tonight that are going to get some work in. Uh, we're going to Bermuda in May, actually. we got a couple fights going in Bermuda, which is going to be very nice. Uh, you know, I love traveling to different countries, you know, especially warm ones, especially when yeah. it's warm and nice. You know, and I think we got California coming up in about four or five months. But besides yeah. that, you know how the fight game works. I always say yeah. you don't have a fight till the bell rings. <laughs> exactly. You could have a fight in two weeks. You don't know. You'd never know. We could have a fight and go all the way up to it. And the day of the fight, the fight yeah. gets cut. You know, it's, yeah. it's a very crazy sport. Yeah. Well, that's why everybody loves it because it's crazy. Hey. Nothing like it in the world. Brother. Nothing like it. the biggest drug in the world, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, uh, I look forward to it, man, to see you uh, grow in, in the northeast of the United States is just full of talent. And people are just starting to just starting to see it right now, you know, especially on the MMA side. Boxing has been around for a little bit, but the MMA side is starting to bird, you know, blow up. Right. Which is amazing for the sport. It's amazing just for the transition. It's amazing that you could turn on TV on a Friday night and now watch live MMA and you're not paying a fee, you know, it's just doing nothing but growing our sport, which is amazing. It's all we could hope for. I mean, I tell people this is when I was in high school, there was no such thing as universities having boxing teams, maybe one or two in the country. Now UConn has a boxing team and why Cornell, they have boxing teams, meaning you go to these events and you have the street gyms, which is a gym like mine, mm -hmm. And then you see a team come in with University of Connecticut uniforms on boxing, which is amazing. You imagine your son being able to get a scholarship for boxing. Mm. Amazing. Definitely. Well, uh, appreciate the time, Paul, man. Uh, uh, good luck much. to you, your gym, everything that you're doing, man. Uh, hope, most likely I'll be seeing you on in the corner somewhere sometime. Yeah, I'll and, be in uh, the corner. Next Friday night, I'll be in the corner. So definitely, definitely appreciate it, man. And uh, good luck on everything. And, and, you know, all everything, man, your gym, your family life, everything, man. It seems like everything's going really well for you. Thanks so much. You too. Keep doing amazing interviews, brother. All right. Take care.